Hey, everybody. How's it going? So based upon my very, uh, very opening words today, you might be able to tell that this episode's going to be a little different. So instead of greeting the fine Dr. Fitzgerald as I got started today, um, I'm greeting you directly. Uh, we're going to hear from Paul in uh, the main course of this particular episode, uh, but today I am providing the appetizer. Um, so you might recall, if you listen to the podcast regularly, that a few months ago we released an episode uh, that was a um, transcript or a recording of um, a talk that I had given uh, at a professional conference back in April. Uh, well, today you're going to have the opportunity to listen to Paul in his professional presentation capacity. Um, he presented a few months ago at a wellness summit that was uh, hosted by our college. Um, and so what you have uh, for you today is a little 30 minute um, kind of run through with Paul where he kind of traces through um a lot of the ideas that we might talk around or talk about even directly on this podcast. Uh, but what he's really doing within that the space of this presentation is kind of giving you um, a nice, like, quick recap um, or kind of a highlights list of things that he and I definitely uh, agree with him um, that he thinks are important for wellness um, and in particular the concept of uh, resilience, which he and I have been talking about quite a bit lately. Um, so what you're going to get over the course of this presentation um, is kind of all the best parts of Paul. Uh, so you're going to hear him talk about how, as a biology professor, he tends to give things in a lecture and a lab. So you're going to hear from him some some basic kind of theory um, of how he thinks about mindfulness, um, how he thinks about resilience, what's important to him within those concepts, um, and also just cultivating awareness in general. Um, but because it is also uh, an opportunity for lecture and lab this episode, um, you're also going to have an opportunity um, to sit for a couple of minutes in meditation with Paul. Um, so we really hope that you enjoy this one and that it particularly serves you well um, during this time of year. Um, I'm recording this on the winter solstice, uh, December 21st. Um, and, you know, this is a time of year where... Uh, the, the amount of lightness that we have in the day is limited. Um, and the, the season tends to get pretty busy with uh, holidays upon us and trying to wrap things up by the end of the year. This can be an, a time of year where time is of essence. And so we try to do things kind of with an eye towards efficiency. We maybe feel a little hurried. Um, and so we're going to invite you. Uh, this one's, you know, shorter than many of our episodes. Um, so it's it's kind of bite-sized. Um, I think I referred to it as the main course earlier. But it's going to be a light meal, right? Um, so sit with uh, Paul. We encourage you for this one if you usually drive or or have some activity while you're listening to our episodes. Just know that there's there's a space for meditation within this one, which you might not want to close your eyes for if you're driving. So um, check this one out, um, and uh, we think that you'll enjoy it, and that um, you'll get to hear a lot of kind of um, how 
ideas that sort of get bounced around on the podcast start to solidify into our our understanding and essentially our professional lives, both um, how we navigate the work that we do within our institution, but also how we navigate um, our own lives, um, how, you know, Paul and I come to understand uh, what we want for ourselves and our own uh, relationship to mindfulness and resilience. Um, so I enjoyed listening to this one myself. Um, it's um, it's a good opportunity to just kick back and listen to uh, the fine Dr. Fitzgerald, one of my favorite humans. Um, so I hope you enjoy this one, and I look forward to being back with you next week on another episode of This Most Unbelievable Life. Thanks, y'all. It's uh, wonderful to see everybody this morning. And Cynthia, so many things that you said resonate so well with me. When I put a presentation like this together, I usually kind of go into this thinking, what are the things that I really need to hear for myself? Because it's like, what are the lessons I'm learning right now? What are the things I'm struggling with and challenged with right now? Um, and uh, when we do that, people say things like, wow, your presentation is great. It seems so personal and really connect. And it's like, dude, I'm just trying to get by, man. I'm just trying to get by. So... I think all of these lessons that we learn that we're going to hear about today are personal lessons. I think they're all parts, stepping stones on on each of our paths of our personal journeys on not just things like how do we be the best person we want to be? How do we show up best for the people that we want to show up for? How do I be my best version of myself? This drills down to how do I get through this? How do I get through the day? Um, how can I get through what's happening right now? Um, how can I get through this pandemic? How can I address all these things that are being called to do? And in all of these things, I mean, we have these kind of loftier ambitions that we hold ourselves to in this grand sort of scheme. But ultimately, it comes down to, I think, what is this moment that I'm in right now? Um, a quote that I'll come back to uh, later on in this, in this uh, workshop is, what am I feeling right now? And how do I be with it? How do I be with what's happening right now in this moment? If you've, uh, if you know who I am, if you've met me before, um, if we've talked before, you might uh, not be surprised to know that we'll probably do a little meditation practice sometime in the next half an hour. Um, I, I have been to mindfulness workshops before, where the one thing that we didn't do was meditate. So um, it's a I'm all about the practical sides of things. Uh, as, as mentioned, I am a biology teacher, so uh, most things I do consists of both a lecture and a lab. So we do actually want to do a little bit more than, than think about it. We want to get our, our, uh, our hands dirty in this a little bit too. So as we go through, I'm going to try to do this as little as possible, uh, but I do have some slides, uh, that, a couple of them that I would like to show throughout, just with some little quotes and some little sayings on it. Um, just to sort of lead us through. It's not many. Um, so uh, if uh, I think I have screen sharing available to me, so I can just kind of flip right over to that when we need to. Perfect, perfect. Just want to do a little tech check on that before we get started to make sure that we're good and we can get started. I will say also, as we get into this workshop, again, thank you everyone, right, who who is here for this. And Regina, thank you for putting this together. And Teresa, thank you for the, the clear emails and the clear communication um, that we've had with, with getting all of this together. This process of wellness and being with what's with us and getting through it requires, I think, for me anyway, a little bit of community support. Um, this stuff is really hard to do 
in the best of times. Some of these things are really difficult and challenging to, to address. It's good to have friends along the way and in the path. And if you don't know if you have any friends that can work with you on this journey towards wellness and towards resilience, uh, you have 42 participants in this, uh, in this meeting right now who, oh, 43, 40, you had, we just gained one, uh, another friend in this meeting right now that we can call on, um, who is here too, to join us in this journey. So um, I would like to, you know, invite us to take just a couple of, couple of seconds, maybe 30 seconds or so, just to kind of find ourselves where we are, you know, find ourselves where we are. Um, let's just kind of hang out for just a couple of minutes and just see what it's like to be here. Um, we don't have to engage in a particularly formal practice here. We can leave our eyes open or closed. I would just like to take a few minutes to just get in touch with our breathing. Just feel ourselves in the, in the space that we're in physically and in this Zoom setting where we have been called to participate. Just take a couple of breaths. Check in with yourself and ask the honest question. What is this like? What is it like? What does this feel like to me? And what am I really feeling right now? And that feeling can be an emotion that's going through. It can be a thought that's going through our minds and calling us to, to do something or to ponder something. Or it can just be you know, physical sensations, the temperature of the room you're in, the feeling of the chair beneath you, the floor under your feet. What does it feel like right now to be you? We don't have to answer that question. We can just let it be there for what it is. Taking a few more breaths, settling in. For what will be an informative day of good stuff. Opening the eyes in your own time if they're closed. Bringing some light in. A lot of times give myself a little bit of a stretch afterwards. <sighs> and here we are. Here we are. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Um, 
If one of your goals was to meditate today, you can check that box. You did. Yes. Uh, little victories are the things that, uh, that really stack up. Um, that and every one of them counts. Every one of them counts. And um, earlier it was mentioned, uh, Cynthia, you said that, you know, sometimes your practice looks different on different days. And that is absolutely true. Um, my goal is to have uh, a personal meditation practice that I know for a fact I will never actually achieve perfectly all the, t- all the time. Uh, sometimes it's it's a good, solid, rigorous half an hour of, of sitting practice each day. Sometimes it is grab a minute here or there uh, whenever I can, a break between class or just a couple of minutes at the desk. Sometimes I realize that I didn't take any time at all the previous day uh, to engage in any sort of personal practice. And um, that can stack up. You know, um, it all depends on our frame of mind, our mindset, our practice, our habits, um, and more than just about anything else, the way that we communicate with ourselves when we have this conversation internally about what is it that we need to do and what is my practice, right? How do I be that best best version of myself? And who am I right now? What do I feel like? And what is it that I'm really being called to do? And so a lot of times this falls under the context of mindfulness meditation. Again, if you know me, this is not going to be a surprise to you that this is what I'm talking about today. And it turns out these things are not nearly as sort of floaty, frou-frou, in the air, nebulous things that we sometimes might think that they that they are. And I will also say that the practice of mindfulness meditation and any sort of mindfulness practice, a, res- a mindful resilience practice, um, really is a skill set that you can grow, right? It's a skill set that you can practice. And so I'm going to flip over to a, to a slide here, and I'm going to show you the operational definition of mindfulness that I use and that a few other people that I know use to really get a sense of, uh, yeah, meditation looks good and it sounds great, but I really don't know what it is. Um, what am I actually trying to do here? Because I will tell you, when I first started meditating, and this is still true today, um, so many years ago, um, this thought keeps coming into my head uh, when I'm engaging in my practice, which is, am I doing this right? Am I doing this right? It's like, what am I actually doing? It's like, am I doing it right? And if I'm with people, I'm thinking I'm the only one that's doing it wrong because everybody else looks like they're meditating, but I must not be doing it right because my mind's all over. So it's like, and then you're off to the races at that point and self-doubt creeps in and then fear is the mind killer, right? And then it's like, you've you've lost the war. So um, it's good to have some clear statements and definitions about what mindfulness really is. We're going to do a little screen share here and we can get to, get to it. Okay. This is a definition um, of mindfulness that was uh, pieced together by John Kabat-Zinn. Um, John Kabat-Zinn, longtime um, uh, MBSR, mind-body uh, mind stress reduction, mindfulness-based stress reduction practitioner that comes up with all these wonderful frameworks for actually, you know, practically addressing stress reduction as a mindfulness program. And in this definition here, I highlighted, underlined a couple of words that I think are really suggestive of uh, all the components that this definition represents that are not only just a definition you put it on your wall and make a poster out of it and you go on with your day, but it really contains directions and instruction along with it. It's a great definition. Mindfulness is awareness. 
you could just put a period right there, right? You could just do it like a full stop if you wanted to. Um, and just say, what is it that we're actually trying to, to, to do? What is that felt sense of mindfulness? It is being aware. Period. Pay attention. What am I feeling right now? Um, what is it like to be me? What is the temperature of this room? What am I feeling when I got this email? Um, what do I feel like I should be doing because of some aspect of my identity that I think is important? Why do I feel compelled to do this thing for one person um, that is above and beyond my ability to do, right? All of these things are part of that awareness, cultivated, that awareness cultivated by paying attention. So in order to do this, we actually are called to not try to block that, not try to run away from it, not try to avoid, not try to power through, not try to bring on grit. Not try to be durable and muscle on despite our shortcomings. It's not that. It's paying attention in a sustained way. In a sustained way. I'm just going to relax for just a moment. Allow this feeling to be here and pay attention to what it feels like. When we start our practice, we might find that those feelings can be strong. They can be intense. They can be unpleasant. Um, they can do everything they can to pull us off of our seat, to pull us off of our cushion. They call us very strongly to distract ourselves with other things, to draw attention away from that feeling, which is why it is helpful for that attention to be harnessed in a very particular way. Number one, on purpose, intentionally, intentionally, that is part of the practice that we can engage in, that we can cultivate is we're going to take the next 30 seconds, one minute, two minutes. We're just going to quiet down and we're going to pay attention to what is moving through us right now. We're going to intentionally pay attention. What that does when we cultivate that, it lets us be responsive to what's going on within us instead of being reactive to what is happening within us. When we react we run a significant risk of making things worse. That's when we engage in actions, behaviors, um, you know, speech that doesn't serve us. We start yelling at people, um, not necessarily the people that we think should be yelled at. Uh, our family bring t essentially bears the brunt of our bad day at, at work. Um, so we want to make sure when we engage in our practice that we're doing everything that we can to set ourselves up for being responsive. It's not, how am I reacting to what's happening within me? What is the best way for me to respond to what is happening in a way that is not just compassionate to those around me, but is also compassionate to myself? What is the best thing I can do for myself when I feel this way? And point number two, that particular way includes in the present, in the present moment. We're not necessarily taking this opportunity to think about what's going to happen next or to address the things that happened yesterday or last week. Um, when we engage in our practice, if we want to bring ourselves back to anything in particular, we want to find out, we want to check in with what we're feeling right now. Right now. If we want to address things that happened in the past, we can do that on its own time. If we need to spend some time thinking about what the next thing is that, that's going to happen is going to be, we can do that 
in a specific and dedicated time. In the moment, though, of engaging in a mindfulness practice, we ask ourselves, what are we feeling right now in this present moment? And what we find is that our present moment is the only place where we can actually do anything. And that present moment experience might call us to redress things that happened yesterday or to do some things in the next present moment to best prepare ourselves what's going to be happening next. But this notion of I'm going to engage in this practice and I'm going to worry about what's going to happen next and I'm going to regret all the things I did in the past, that's not necessarily the things that serve us. So part of this practice is this cultivation of the ability to maintain awareness of the present moment that we're in. And that is not always easy to do. The mind likes to pull us in different directions, not in space, but it likes to pull us in different directions in time. It likes to pull us to the future. It likes to regurge, to, to sort of remunerate over the past and reconsider the past, right? That is what the mind does, which brings us to point number three. We want to do this non-judgmentally. We want to learn to forgive ourselves of our past mistakes. We want to learn to be forgiving of ourselves when we move forward and don't necessarily do things in the way that is best for all of us. We want to engage in what we're feeling non-judgmentally. We're not necessarily feeling these things that we're feeling right now that are uncomfortable because we did something wrong or because there's something wrong with us. If there's one thing that I can tell every single one of you that I would like to just really kind of the thing that I want you to know on this beautiful Wednesday morning is this. Just so you know, um, there is nothing wrong with you. There is absolutely nothing wrong with you. You are feeling what you might be feeling, if it's good or if it's bad, if it's easy, if it's hard, because you are a human here on this earth. That is the condition that you have that afflicts you. It's called humanity. We feel things. That doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you. You're absolutely perfect just as you are. And there are practices that we can do um, to address these things in our lives that we can address productively um, to respond to challenges rather than react to them without compassion. So I was asked in this, um, I'm telling myself that too, there's nothing wrong with me because <laughs> like, that's what I really want to know. Um, I was asked when I was uh, to put this presentation together and to offer this, that I spend some time actually talking about resilience. And um, that is a really important conversation to have for a couple of reasons. Resilience, um, if you actually look up what that word means, resilience, it is not necessarily, um, how do I make it through a pandemic? Well, I just power through. It's not being bulletproof. It's not being, you know, so stoic that we don't feel anything at all. I actually want to show you a couple of definitions of resilience, just so we really know exactly what it is we're talking about when we use the word resilience. It's from the Oxford English Dictionary, all right? The action or an act of rebounding or springing back, rebound or recoil. And you can notice that I highlighted a couple of words in here as well. Elasticity, the power of resuming an original shape or position after compression, bending, the quality or fact of being able to recover quickly or easily from 
or resist being affected by a misfortune, shock, illness, etc. If you look at these definitions of resilience, they are not about how to do the daily grind of making it through a two-year pandemic. It's not about how to avoid ongoing trauma. It's not about muscling through when things are really, really hard. It's about recognizing that something really traumatic, really difficult, really challenging was happening where I felt some really difficult things and my daily needs that I have were not being met. Now that we are starting to see a little bit of light, we have things out there that are a little more opened up now. We're starting to see people in person again. Um, that comes with its own challenges, as we sometimes might find. We have vaccines out there. We have, you know, social distancing, which is a phrase I hate. I call it physical distancing because you don't have to socially distance, but we do want to physically do so, right? So we have all this stuff and we have all these processes in place and we're starting to see each other and interact a little bit more and things are opening up a little bit. Now that that's happening, now we may be called to start doing some resilience, to start practicing some resilience. Like I said, it's not how to power through, right? It's some really difficult things just happened over a span of time. Who do I want to be on the other side of this? Now that we're able to take a little bit of a breather and address some edmet needs that I had during this, during this time, what is it that I can do? within myself to show up as best I can for others, right? What is the work that I need to do internally to address um, the pain, the discomfort, the unmet needs that I personally have? That is resi resilience. So the least helpful thing that we can tell someone during a challenging time like a pandemic is be resilient. Tough it out. It's like not helpful. Just so you know, just so you know not helpful. Be tough. You know, uh, it'll be better soon. Don't worry about it. It's like, oh, I'm going to worry about it. It's not good now. Um, I don't know how to be resilient. I haven't developed that skill. I mean, there's a million reasons why that that's not the best advice that we can sort of give. It's not helpful, you know, um, for, for folks to say, you know what, just be resilient. It'll be fine. Um, no, it hurts. There are things that happen that hurts. And, and now that we've experienced those, we want to acknowledge them. The statement was made. How do we refill the cup? You know, that's exactly it. I mean, that's exactly the practice that we that we want to engage in. The cup has been drained of vital things that get us through the day that really bring enjoyment to life. And we need to refill it. Um, that starts with, wait a second, I have a cup? I have a cup? What's in the cup? What is the level in the cup? How do I recognize when the cup is empty? How do I actually fill the cup? These are all real questions, you know, that uh, are really not easy to answer. And the struggle for any workshop offerer, you know, such as myself or others, is that everybody's answer to that question is going to be personal. Everyone's answer to that is personal. You do have a cup. Um, how do you fill it? Right? Um, what is it like for when that cup is full? How do you recognize when that cup is empty or getting low? That is the practice of resilience, right? A, a resilience based on awareness, recognizing that you have a cup. It's getting kind of low. What do I need to do to fill that cup back up again? In a lot of ways, I think of this as a communication exercise, communicating not just with ourselves, 
in terms of how do I frame all of this with myself to actually state what it is that I'm feeling, practice what it is that I'm feeling, and address uh, some of the needs that I have that are not being met compassionately. Um, not only that, but it's like, how do I say no? What are the changes that I need to make in order to best serve myself? If you find your cup is low, it's not going to fill itself back up. Somebody is not going to come to you offering to fill your cup. Unfortunately, these are one of these things that you might actually have to ask for. And making time to do so might actually require uh, saying no to other things, which is a really, really hard thing to do. And uh, it was earlier mentioned, saying no is important, right? Sometimes no is the right answer. There are a whole set of groundworks that I personally have in place. Everything that you say that is not a no, you've said yes to, just so you know. So it's like, if it's not a no, it's a yes. If it's a yes today, sleep on it. If it's a yes today, it'll be yes tomorrow as well. If somebody says, I have a question for you and I want to ask if you can do this thing, um, and I need an answer right now, and you don't have any time to think about it, the answer is no. The answer is no. You don't deserve that. I have this practice that I've borrowed from uh, my colleague. It's the no pizza party. She has a piece of paper on her refrigerator, and she has 10 squares on it that says no's on the top of it. Every time she says no, she puts an X in a box. Every time she says no to something, she puts an X in it. When she gets 10 of them, she has a pizza party for herself. It's the no pizza party. <laughs> so it's like, it like rewards no. It's like, it's a good incentive to, and you can make it like a, you know, Taco Tuesday pizza kind of thing as well. You can do it, whatever works for you. But reward yourself for being able to say no. It's not necessarily something that has to bring guilt and remorse. And, you know, oh, I should be doing this, but I'm not. I'm not a good colleague. I'm not going to, you know, get all the things at Nova that I need to because they said no. No, sometimes the answer is no. Does the situation that is arising that somebody is asking you about, do they need you to do it or do they need someone to do it? A lot of times the answer is someone. It doesn't have to be you. You don't have to do everything yourself. Okay. Um, communication's hard. You know, and I'll wrap up with this a little bit and give some time for uh, for some response. Um, communication is difficult. Um, I don't know if we have any any communication teachers here, any of our faculty or or staff here that are specialists in communication, but it's very difficult, especially when we're talking about ourselves, especially when we're communicating our own needs, wants, thoughts, opinions, and feelings. Um, I personally struggle with this because every time I do, I feel like I'm imposing on someone else. Uh, I'm actually dragging somebody out of their moment to actually make them listen to weak me talk about how I feel and what my needs are. Oh, it just feels gross to me, you know? Um, but I'm new to this. I've only been meditating for like 20 years, so I'm still sort of a newbie at this whole communication thing. Um, but there are a couple of tools that we can use to learn how to communicate. And again, I really want to stress that these things are not skills that we're just sort of born with. We're not born natural necessarily at being able to communicate our needs. It requires practice. And um, what can serve us, I think, better than anyone else in this resilient phase of our time at NOVA at this, and at this time in our lives, not to say that we're done with this pandemic or anything like that, we're still in it. 
Um, but now that we're starting to practice a little bit of resilience, we can start thinking about, okay, so what are the practices that I can use in order to actually bring forth within myself a greater skill at communicating with myself? And one thing, and with others, one thing that I reference often, and I know some of the people in this in this Zoom do as well, is this whole field of study called nonviolent communication. Um, if anybody has ever heard of NVC, nonviolent communication, it is a framework for how we can actually pause for a moment, get an assessment of what we're feeling, um, identify what the unmet need is for what we're feeling, and then make a request to someone else about what that feeling and that need is being called to ask for. Um, I have a couple of resources that I would like to put up here uh, on the screen for us. There's an organization called the Center for Nonviolent Communication. It's www.cnvc.org. All kinds of uh, resources there for practicing nonviolent communication. You can practice them within yourself. You can get together over dinner or after dinner with a loved one and practice going back and forth. They have some really good frameworks in place for how to practice NVC, nonviolent communication on your own and with others. Um, if you're into the contemplative mindfulness meditation practice already, um, there's an acronym, RAIN, um, that has been around for about 20 years now. Tara Brock, a local meditation teacher, is probably um, most well known for that now as the current person. And she has some lovely resources available um, that you can look up. She has some guided meditations that she posts. Um, it really is. It's, it's communication as well. It's more internal, though. Um, recognizing what it is that we're feeling right now, allowing what that feeling is to be present, investigating what that feeling really is or what it wants for us, and how do I nurture what it is? How do I address, right? How do I respond compassionately to what it is that I'm feeling in a productive way? Um, and that might be uh, some difficult emotional thing inside of us that maybe just wants to be heard. It maybe just wants to be voiced and spoken, you know, sometimes that really does end up a call to action. You know what? I'm just going to say no. Um, I really don't want to do it. I would regret it the second that I said yes. Um, I think I'm going to have to say no. So right after I'm done getting up here, I'm going to write that email. I'm going to decline. Maybe it's that, you know. So it's interesting if anybody has ever engaged in the RAIN practice, what can arise? What can arise when we take time to listen and allow the things that are within us to actually be heard in a communicative way um, to the point where now that they've been actually heard, now that they've been allowed to, uh, to be present within me, now I can actually nurture or take action on what it is that's actually happened. But it requires a personal practice. This doesn't happen really by itself. I have a couple of guidelines that I personally use for myself on how to establish and maintain my personal practice, my own, my own. Check in with myself. This can be two minutes, three minutes between classes. You got a five minute break here. Sit down over lunch, find a quiet spot and just sit down, um, set your cell phone down and close your outlook, right? And just eat and breathe, eat and breathe. You don't have to do anything. Just eat and breathe. Awareness does the work. You don't have to do anything. Awareness will do it for you. Cultivating that sense of awareness will let things come forth that would like to be addressed or heard. 
You just have to allow them to be there and to do so. Practice noble silence. Um, this is something that I tell myself more of that. I'm telling myself more than anyone else, really. Um, I, the answer to what's going on within me isn't always talking. It is now, because that's what Zoom is for. But when somebody is talking to me about something, I don't need to fix it. It's not necessarily my problem to fix. It's not necessarily a problem at all. Sometimes our best job, the best thing that we can do is listen. Just listen. What would serve us all well would be having opportunities to not just speak what it is that we're feeling in a way that can be heard, but also engage as a good listener. And good listeners don't necessarily always have to say something back, and they don't always have to fix it or solve the problem. Things just like to be heard, and things like to have action taken on them sometimes too, but it all starts with being a good listener as well. That's part of nonviolent communication. Discover and articulate feelings and the needs they point to. Um, if I say, hey, what are you feeling right now? And you say, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, the Center for Nonviolent Communication actually has some PDFs and some web pages. It is literally a list of feelings. It's like, here, here's a list. Check it out. What are you feeling right now? There's also some lists of needs that it has that the feelings might be pointing to. So if you're not altogether sure, if you don't know where to start, I would certainly encourage folks to go to the Center for Nonviolent Communication and look at those lists of feelings and needs. And, you know, let's go with a highlighter. And it's like, what am I feeling right now? You can turn this into an activity. Again, it's a practice. And my last one that I'll always, uh, that I'll always promote as much as I possibly can, pay attention. Pay attention. Pay attention to the present moment. Past, can't do anything about it. Future, it's not actually here. All you can do is what's in front of you right now. What is the best that you can show up for who you are right now? And what are the practices I can engage in? What are the opportunities to practice these skills um, that can help me along that path to do as little harm as possible and maybe even be um, a, a beneficial colleague and friend to uh, to those around me? So um, resilience is, a, is an interesting thing. So, I mean, one of the things that we might explore as we engage in resilience coming out of this time is what are the actual workshops that I can take? Um, you can take workshops on nonviolent communication. Some of the most helpful professional development opportunities I've ever taken were the trauma-informed classroom classes and the mental health first aid. Because what you will realize is that all of this works and counts for a lot of the students and a lot of our classes too. They're bringing stuff into the classroom that you would not believe. You would not believe, right? We can't necessarily solve all of their problems, but we can be a good role model and we can be, uh, we can lead through and guide through our actions and we can mentor through our actions and we can certainly find resources and help them find resources they need to explore their own awareness um, and their own ability to communicate what their needs are. Because a lot of those needs, you think it's hard when you're 45 or 50? Try doing it when you're 18, okay? So <laughs> appreciate, right, that none of this, none of this communication is easy with, our spell, with ourselves, especially when it comes down to the challenging stuff in the present moment. So thank you all for listening. Thank you all for listening. And I hope you found some of this beneficial. Again, if I want to lead you with anything, there's absolutely nothing wrong with you, okay? There's nothing wrong with you. This is tough stuff. It's hard, right? Uh, the only challenge you have working against you is that you're human. And uh, you have a brain, and you have a heart, and you have a body, um, and you have, and they all do their thing. 
all the time. And sometimes they do it well. And sometimes they're just trying to keep up just like the best of us are and make sense out of a weird situation. So 